Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez is back with you, and today I have an outstanding guest. Her name is Brenda Schmidt. She's the founder and CEO of Solera Health. Brenda believes there is no one-size-fits-all approach to getting and staying healthy. She founded Solera in 2015 to create a technology platform that matches a person's unique risks, goals, and preferences with tools proven to help them improve their health and prevent, treat, or reverse disease. This approach, combined with performance-based medical claims payments, has transformed a previously fragmented community and digital healthcare ecosystem into a consumer marketplace tailored to help people holistically manage their health. You're probably wondering, how can this benefit me? We're going to get into that. Brenda has received numerous awards, including the MedTech Breakthrough Award for Best MedTech CEO in 2018, a 2019 finalist for the EY, Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, and was named by Becker's Hospital Review as Woman IT Leaders to Know in 2019. Brenda is a frequent national speaker and serves on several boards, including the Startup Arizona Foundation, the Arizona Bioindustry Association, and Healthcare Executive Group. So we're going to have a lot of fun today talking about healthcare consumerism, hearing Brenda's insights and the work that they do at Solera. So it's going to be awesome. Brenda, so glad you're here with us. Thanks, all. Excited to be here. So let's let's chat, Brenda. I mean, what is it that got you into healthcare to begin with? I think there's just, for me, a huge opportunity to make an impact, but I love the fact that there's a lot of problems to solve in healthcare and it's constantly changing. I, I like to think of myself as a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. And so the, the opportunity to both make an impact and continually learn and change and grow is is really intriguing. I agree. I feel the same way just with what we're doing here at Outcomes Rocket and you know, chatting with all these awesome leaders like you and, and hearing from the listeners, you always are learning. The opportunities to learn are abounding. Now, before we dive into the, the content of today's podcast, Brenda, I, I would love if, if you could just level set with the listeners, Solera Health. What do you guys do? Yeah, it, it's that's our, our my people say what keeps you up at night, and a lot of times it's people don't understand the, what we've created in the marketplace and trying to kind of break through the noise. Mm-hmm. But what we recognized was that health happens where people live, work, play, pray, shop, increasingly on their phone, and health care happens in doctors' offices and, and hospitals, and and people are you know trying to take better care of their health and they're they're sort of hunting and gathering in a highly fragmented market. So we've created a consumer marketplace where we actually match people into the digital apps or community organizations to help them more holistically manage their health in the context of their community but match them like a match.com to those that meet their specific goals, needs, and preferences. And then more importantly, pay those network partners out of medical claims for achieving outcomes. So we're aligning with value-based care in a consumer marketplace that's reducing the friction for consumers to actually find those digital apps or community organizations that can best meet their needs and help them improve their health. 
That's a, that's a great way to summarize the tremendous value that you guys add, Brenda. And so the, the apps that you're matching patients to, these aren't necessarily Solera apps, or are they? No, Solera doesn't deliver any programs and services. We've, we curate and manage a network now that is over 70 digital apps and digital therapeutics condensed from you know, 325,000 digital apps that now exist in the marketplace, an ecosystem of about 13,000 community organizations. But we are the operational engine behind those digital apps that allow them to function really as a, think of them as a non-clinical PPO or a non-clinical specialty network paid through claims, just like a doctor's office. That is cool. That is really cool, by the way. I just want to say that. <laughs> well, what we found is, is you know, from, a, from new digital therapeutics and digital apps trying to enter the market, they just have a tremendous opportunity to improve access and drive outcomes, but they struggle a lot trying to get the attention of, of payers, whether that's an employer or a health system or a, or a health plan. And conversely, the health plans just have vendor fatigue. I mean, they have, they've, they've got thousands of folks banging on their door saying, you know, our app is great. So there's this ecosystem of thousands of point solutions that can make a huge difference in cost and quality of care. And it just seemed to make sense to organize them as a network, just like any other network paid for outcomes. And so really we see our opportunity of reducing the friction for payers to allow them to pay for the, this ecosystem of digital apps. Um, certainly for the network providers, for our matching logic, driving them qualified leads that we should drive great outcomes on their app and plugging them into our millions of members very easily. So they're not burning through cash, trying to get the attention and contract of a payer. And then for consumers, just we really focus on consumerism. And I think that's one of the biggest trends in healthcare is how do we make it easy for consumers to take control of their health? We look at it as a do-it-yourself care plan. How can we be more like TurboTax or LegalZoom where you don't necessarily have to see your doctor to prevent manage or reverse chronic conditions and, and sleep better, eat better, address some of the social needs and take control of your health yourself. And I think that's, that's kind of what, what we're trying to build here. Fascinating. And you also mentioned uh, a component of value-based care and there's uh, an opportunity to, for the app to also share in the delivery of care. Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So we have, what we've done is we've coded all of the digital apps and digital therapeutics and community organizations to be paid through medical claims. Is that right? And to, to, yeah. So hundred percent of our revenue is medical claims. We hit medical loss ratio. We have no administrative fees whatsoever. I'm, I'm really sort of have a visceral reaction to PM PM and huh. I understand people huh. pay for things that way because they can budget it. But for me, why there's no aligned incentive for me to do a great job driving high engagement and outcomes if I get paid regardless of what the outcomes and value that I'm driving. Mm -hmm. So if we're getting paid for actually being able to drive sustained engagement and ultimately clinical outcomes, so 25 to 60% of what Solera gets paid and our partners get paid are driven by actually being able to achieve clinical outcomes that our clients believe are driving um, reduced healthcare costs. So things like systolic blood pressure improvement, weight loss, A1C reduction, medication deintensification. Let's get people off of high cost drugs. Right. And so that, that really aligns our ability to pay for performance and pay for outcomes. But I think more importantly, our payers expect us to compress the digital market by creating a standardized set of quality metrics and performance metrics that if a 
if one of our partners can't meet those, you know, they're, it's a curated network means there's winners and losers. Yes. Fascinating. So you, and I'm, I'm still on the, so the apps that you've qualified and now are on the platform, the marketplace, you've associated the services that they provide to codes that are reimbursable. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's, uh, where did you get that idea? Well, it was interesting. We started <laughs> off, I, I bootstrapped a company for 10 years before that. And sometimes uh-huh. Solera looks a little bit like an overnight success, but it was 10 years of a lot of learning and hard work that we got product market fit right. Mm-hmm. And we got it right because of 10 years of learning and experience in employer health, community health. We won a large CDC contract in Pop Health and then working with a large retail pharmacy and one of the early pioneer ACOs. And it just became abundantly clear that there needed to be a technology platform that was helping guide people to better health in their community and, and really the operational back end of this ecosystem. And so we started with a diabetes prevention program to prove the business model that we could mm-hmm. organize highly fragmented community and digital apps into a network match people into that network and then get them paid through claims. And so we just started with one program. So we started with diabetes prevention, huge market, you know, one in three U.S. adults. The Centers for Disease Control had already curated a community network for us. And there was so much evidence of both cost savings and outcomes with the diabetes prevention program. We had a line of sight that it was going to be covered by Medicare, which it now is. It's a Part B preventative service through Medicare, which was driving the creation of CPT codes. Mm. So, so that was the genesis for the first three years of the business and really was the one program that allowed us to contract for 60 million lives because the payers didn't know how to contract with non-clinical providers. And they certainly didn't know how to contract with thousands of them that would meet the diverse needs and, and geographic needs of their population. And then once we proved that, they just came and said, if you can do that with this program, we want you to organize all of our vendors into this model. And they were very helpful with us of getting creative around how we could find codes to use to, because their desire was certainly to have these things hit, hit their medical loss ratio. So it's very much a co-creation and co-development, even as we're getting in things into social isolation and falls prevention and food insecurity, all of those things were coding as claims. Wow. That is, that is so interesting. And, you know, just, just thinking through the, the collaboration and I love the, that you have used the words reduce friction, you know, and, and you, you talk about reducing friction for payers, right? You, you gave them an easier way to contract, reducing the friction for providers and consumers. I love that you focus and use that word. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of our, you know, how we win is thinking about user experience because it's something that's often missing in healthcare, whether that's our client experience, like a network provider, like a Zappos, right? Zappos grew in shoes because it was so easy to be on their platform. So how do we make it really, really easy for new network providers to join the Solari ecosystem um, so we can follow that innovation curve as quickly as we can as new market entrants join? And then how do we make it as easy to use TurboTax's legal Zoom as it is to connect into an ecosystem of providers. And I think more importantly, we've really flipped the model. It Mm -hmm. typically is do a health risk assessment. We're going to find out your health risks. And then we're going to ask you to do this program that we picked. And then we're going to pay you a lot of incentive dollars because you really don't want to do this program. And then we all sit back and wonder why we're not driving outcomes. And we've really flipped it and said, you know what, what do you want to do? What's your goal? 
And then we take them through not their health risks, but do you want to coach? No coach. How important is peer support to you? What have you tried before? What's worked? What hasn't worked? And then we say, we found your best match. We look very much like match.com. And if that if you enroll in that program and it service and it potentially isn't the best match for you, you just seamlessly switch into something else. And that's a, a very, very different consumer experience in healthcare. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Awesome work, Brenda. I mean, kudos to you and your team for what you've done. Also wanted to say congratulations on uh, raising $42 million. <laughs> that's a big deal. Congrats. Thank you. I, I think what we appreciated here is those investors were all, they were six Blue Cross Blue Shield plans, all of whom are clients. And I think to then invest that amount of money in Solera, they saw the promise of how we could partner with them to, again, to, to make a difference in the lives of their, of their patients. Hmm. So wonderful. And, and so what would you say, Brenda, needs to be front and center on health leaders' agendas as we enter this era of healthcare consumerism? I think it's really the focus on on data. And mm-hmm. there's so much focus on data and there's so much data out there. Um, and we talk a lot about interoperability, but how are we actually using that data to help consumers manage their health or make that data meaningful? And so I think that's something that we think a lot about as we think about digital health and the volume of data that everyone is collecting is how do we make that useful? to a variety of different stakeholders across the ecosystem, either to drive better outcomes and and fuel machine learning and AI, or whether that's a centralized member record or reducing cost of duplicative services. But I think that really the opportunity to to use data to to make it meaningful is, is something that we spend a lot of time thinking about. And what are your thoughts there, Brenda? I mean, how do we make it meaningful? What would you say is like the key factor here? I... I think data provides insight, but data doesn't change behavior. So the, the feedback loop is important. I, I think we can automate so much of what is information, mm-hmm. but actually to understand individuals' barriers to improving their health takes a high touch, creative opportunity. So I would just, I think combining the data sets, clinical data with social data, uh, with unstructured data, we think a lot about how we can actually learn so much about an individual that we can actually predict what's going to work for them. Think about like a stitch fix model as we've got archetypes for people that we can actually fuel a recommender engine to be very specific in what we think about as personalized health management without actually having to ask them. I'm concerned that we put more and more onus on physicians to have to ask patients either directly or through a health risk assessment and then have some confidence that they're even answering those questions truthfully. Are we asking the right questions? So we spend a lot of time thinking about how do we combine data sets to get really smart about people that we can recommend things to them without having to ask them. And so we think about, we were having a conversation yesterday about asthma mm-hmm. and you know you ask someone if they smoke and no, but they've gone to the, the ER visit five, gone to the ER five times. Well, their roommates smoke and never, nobody asked that question. And so if we can mine a lot of data to, to actually know that, and that data is out there, that fascinates me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, it is fascinating and, and a great approach and both that social data and the healthcare data, putting it together, making those insights to make a difference Give us an example of of how Solera has created results already by doing things differently. 
Yeah, we combined a really broad network in partnership with Blue Shield California, and we launched that out to 1.8 million of their fully insured population in June 10th. And they had had a, a pretty comprehensive health management program in place for the last several years. And within the first month, we saw a 12 percentage point improvement in engagement by matching people into this marketplace. It was it was just really, really well received that folks, as opposed to saying, we picked these solutions for you, here they are, we're going to pay you an incentive. We got huge uptake very quickly without having to offer any incentive because we were matching people into an ecosystem of things that had value. Like Weight Watchers for free for a year and a digital scale and a Fitbit. Why would I also pay you an incentive? Is that something that you really want? And we have folks like Verda and Better Therapeutics and and, um, Dart for those individuals who are interested in reversing their diabetes. But we also have folks that are free apps. Think about us as a, a curated health app store for individuals who are healthy that just want to know, hey, when I go to the app store, I don't know which one of these to pick. So there's a trust factor there that if we match you into our ecosystem, um, it's going to drive outcomes. And that's what we saw early on is, you know, now a couple months in, 86, we have an 86% completion rate compared to a 46% completion rate of these different types of programs by matching people into this ecosystem, which was, which is a huge up upside. And so the payer's like, look, why would I pay anyone incentives anymore if I'm offering this value ecosystem? Um, I can repurpose those tens of millions of dollars into something more valuable. I mean, I'm just blown away by this, the, the results. And then you step back, Brenda, and, and you just think about it. It's like, you ask these people what they want. It seems so simple, right? I mean, let me say that, you know, it's this really tricky thing that we do. We ask people what they want (laughs) because it's not just the digital, you know, we have Weight Watchers and YMCAs and retail pharmacy and grocery, but we also have areas on aging and your local parks and rec. I mean, people, if you think about how people engage in their health, it's really a personal decision and the opportunity to really find out their needs and preferences is it's it's really fascinating and what we learned in the early user acceptance testing was fascinating to me too because i had this really assumption that we needed to ask the fewer questions that we asked the less drop off we would have through that process and what we realized and what we realized from match.com is that if a consumer perceives that you're offering them something of value they'll answer all kinds of questions mm-hmm. And that actually, when we condensed the number of questions we were asking, they didn't believe that we didn't trust us, that we knew enough about them to make that best match, which I thought was fascinating. That is fascinating. Um, Yeah. So we consider you to use a lot of, you know, we're just a test and learn environment. It's interesting to continue to do user testing as we're really trying to to just continue to improve consumer engagement and ultimately outcomes. Wow. Very cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, if you think about it, I mean, if somebody asks me a set of questions that are focused on what I want, I prefer, like you said, giving me actual value in the form of an app or recommendation versus giving me 50 bucks a month. It's like, yeah, I mean, the the literature shows, you know, incentives are going to get you to initially do something. Yeah. But they're not going to actually drive sustained behavior change. And that's what we want. This isn't a quick fix. This is long-term 
sustained behavior change that's that's going to make a, a lifetime of difference. And that's just a very different approach. And I think what we're trying to do is is get people to not progress to, to expensive drugs, not progress to insulin, um, potentially reverse those conditions. And that is the grade A and grade B evidence. I, I actually moderated a American Diabetes Association educational session for primary care physicians. And if you look at the grade B and a grade A and B evidence for management of diabetes, it is lifestyle medicine. It is five to 7% weight loss. And the physicians would stand up and say, this is the grade A and grade B evidence, which means it's the best excellent evidence for how to best manage this condition. But that's really hard and we don't know how to refer into these organizations. So let's talk about drugs. And that's what we're trying to overcome. The evidence is all about about meaningful behavior change and lifestyle change. Hmm. So great. And so thinking about, you know, you started in 2015, obviously you you alluded to the 10-year period before that that led to a lot of insights. But within the last four years, Brenda, what would you say is a setback that you experienced that you learned a lot from that's made you guys better? Yeah, I think... A couple, just a, one kind of business external and then internal. I think because we focused on diabetes prevention as a specific intervention, we designed the business around that, that, that one particular program. And we got in the market, you know, I don't know that employers or payers really cared so much that it was this one particular program. They really wanted us to focus on weight loss. So I think that was a, maybe a, a product. We had great product market fit, but we had done some things that sort of required you to be clinically eligible for that program to enroll in our ecosystem, as opposed to just saying, you know, if the, if the outcome metric is weight loss, why don't we just engage people who want to lose weight. So that was a, probably a little miss on the product market fit. And then I think mm-hmm. internally, what I've learned both from you know, the previous company and this one is not hiring until we feel pain. That really is not, you think, oh, I'm going to hire ahead of scale. And for some things that makes a ton of sense in technology development and places like that. But I think we, I got a little ahead of my skis on some of the functions that we need here ahead of sort of feeling pain that we needed those. So I've, I've gotten a lot more conservative around hiring and, and making that cash last absolutely as long as it can last. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's important, right? I mean, you, you, you've got to have a sustainable business model. You could think ahead, but if you don't have the cash there to support it, it's, just, it's a fine line, right? Right, right. So now, you know, now we really, we're, we'll be four years old in October, really thinking, you know, a line of sight on profitability. And then, then we can use cash to, to really expand into other things, which we're already doing. I mean, now that we've created the technology platform and infrastructure around and where our initial focus was, was around cardiometabolic diseases, we're already contracted and quickly moving into other evidence-based programs that are being delivered in fragmented ways by a lot of different community and digital partners like sleep, stress, resilience, economic security, social isolation, falls, women's health, chronic pain, all of those things can benefit from our model. And so we're typically going into our payers and saying, you know, what are your strategic priorities? And in some instances, doing the data analytics to help them understand what their strategic priorities should be. And we think about ourselves, we're the syringe. You can put anything you want in that syringe. So we're quickly expanding mm-hmm. um, beyond our initial focus. And that doesn't require us recreating the infrastructure that we've already already developed here. Yeah, that's brilliant. So to date, Brenda, what would you say is one of your proudest leadership experiences in healthcare? 
I think it's been the recognition recently of the opportunity that that our business model can actually make a dent in transforming healthcare. And we all say that, you know, we're going to change the world and we're going to transform healthcare. I think we have a shot at it. And so I've had a lot of opportunities recently to speak. I was just asked to speak at Lincoln Center for Forbes. I was up on stage with uh, Pat Garrity, the CEO of Guidewell, and, and Scott Sirota is the CEO of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association, a Washington Post event. And I, so I think for me, it's internally creating this great mission-driven culture but mm-hmm. externally, I think it's the recognition that that we've we've got a shot here at making a difference. Yeah, I would why say we that's... do this at the beginning. You know, this is why we we all are in healthcare. Oh, for sure, for sure, and that's definitely validation of the work that that you've put in, the culture you've formed there, and so kudos to you. That's that's awesome. When did when did that happen? Um, the Washington Post was last year, and the Forbes event is actually coming up at the Lincoln Center uh, in December. Okay. So that's uh, right around the corner. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Congrats on that. And so tell us about what you believe is most exciting about Solera today. I think it's the energy of the possibility of making an impact in social determinants of health. Um, we've got a ton of energy in here around that, and there's just so much noise in the marketplace. And we think that we, a lot of the efforts that are happening there, I say they're valuable, but they're insufficient and and unsustainable. So how can we use our model to actually create a sustainable revenue model for community organizations who are traditionally grant funded and get them paid through claims without increasing the referral, member referrals, patient referrals into those federally or grant funded programs without an aligned payment mechanism. So this opportunity around thinking about capitated models and payment innovation in this space is really exciting. So we're starting to have those conversations with our payers and even the federal government around Mm -hmm. how do we apply not bad fee for service, but how do we recreate or create a a value-based capitated model for non-clinical services? So I I spent a lot of my time thinking about that. And so... What does the future look like there? Because I think of the the preliminary efforts being done around housing and food insecurity, air conditioners. Like, I mean, you know, that kind of stuff is impactful. What does it look like in the future? Well, if you think about us as a as a matching platform, which is a matching platform in marketplace, if a payer would give us, I'm making it up, a thousand dollars, we can then go to that consumer and say, we have a bucket of money. You want to spend that on an air conditioner, pest control, home improvement, food, transportation. We actually have the analytics capabilities at the member level, at the patient level to assign what we call a social propensity score. And that's from zero to a hundred. And so if you have a social propensity score of 89, we can actually attribute that social propensity score to a hierarchy of needs. And so we can start allocating that money based on what is most likely to impact cost and quality of care and think about getting paid more on a a reduction in clinical and social risk scores as opposed to just fee for service. I delivered food, I provided housing, and then just paying for those services. And so that's how we're thinking about that is combining consumerism with a capitated amount, Hmm. but providing what the consumer wants and what's going to have the biggest impact, not just, oh, I want to get Mrs. Jones to her doctor's appointment, so I'm going to cover transportation when she may have a much larger issue that has, that's, that's a social barrier that's keeping her from her physician appointment. That's not, maybe not transportation. Right. Right. Going back to 
the essence of Solera, just meet the patient where they are, ask them what they want. Yeah. I mean, we're a consumer engagement and technology company that's supporting a platform for a new marketplace. And I think it's it's different. I, if people ask me, well, who's your competition? And, and honestly, I, I'll say apathy, right? Because it's mm-hmm. easy to go out and pick a point solution. I've got this one Oh, I, I checked the box on diabetes. I checked the box on food. I checked the box on, on transportation. But there's a difference even if you think about transportation. There's curb to curb, sort of the Lyft Health and Uber Health. They're doing a great job in this space. But what about the people who need door to door or chair to chair? Like, how are we really meeting the consumer's needs as opposed to just checking the box and saying, I have a, have a transportation solution? And so we're, I think we're digging three, five, 10 layers deeper around really trying to solve some of these um, social barriers. I love it. I think it's, uh, it's brilliant work, Brenda, and uh, very exciting that the progress is uh, so great. So uh, would love to uh, do the lightning round next with you, followed by a book you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yes. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Personalization. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Um, thinking you can do it alone. There's just no one that has an end-to-end solution in healthcare. So definitely collaboration. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Just keep learning. Uh, read conferences, talk to everyone, just keep, keep learning. What's an area of focus that drives everything at Solera? Mission. Yeah. Love that. Love that. And, um, you know, I'll throw throw another one in there that just occurred to me. What advice would you give to health app makers? I would say find a problem. And there's so many problems out there. Find a problem in healthcare and build a solution that's going to fix that problem. And then I think more importantly for cash, find a person as the P&L ownership of that problem. Don't develop an app or a solution and go looking for a business case. Really find a problem that no one else is solving and go out and build a solution. Love that. And really, I mean, when you think about the P&L ownership of the problem, you're basically boiling it down to providers and payers. Well, I think it's, an, it's an actually an individual within a provider or payer. I mean, I have very oh, little okay. tolerance for innovation centers and, and pilots. We never did a pilot. Like, I'm like, because no one in, in an innovation center or doing a pilot has P&L responsibility or aligned incentives around scaling the solution. So I'm that business owner who's feeling pain every day because that problem is hitting their P&L and go in and solve that. Mm-hmm. Man, that is gold. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about starting an app or you're already starting in your app or you're, you, you know, you, you've made your app and you're trying to get it out there. Think about this. This is, I mean, you really have to think about this insightful advice. Find somebody that has P&L ownership around that problem. Love that. Uh, what book would you recommend, Brenda? Play Bigger. It really is our guidebook here. It's, um, it's about, oh gosh, it says dreamers and pilots, but it's, it, or pilots, oh my gosh, pirates. It's about how to create a market category. And it uses a lot of examples, not in healthcare. That's by um, Al Remenden and, and Dave Peterson. We actually all read that book. I give that book to everyone. Really? Um, so it's a great, if you're a dreamer and you are thinking big, uh, read that book. The other book, and this is a quick read, not in healthcare. It's called Value as a Service. Love that book. It's about, if I'm contracting with you, and I'm providing service that's driving outcomes and value for you, then how do we, how do we align around a shared 
set of uh, common goals to drive the maximum value from that relationship. It's a great little book. Brilliant. Some great book recommendations there, Brenda. We thank you for those. Uh, Folks, obviously, you know, just go to outcomesrocket.health. In the search bar, type in Solera, and uh, you'll find the entire transcript with Brenda Schmidt, as well as links to all the resources that we've discussed here. Brenda, this has been fun. I really appreciate you jumping on with us and would love if you could just leave us with the closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you or the company to learn more. I would just say for everyone, um, this is a little cliche from Steve Jobs, but, but don't think better, think different. Like let's think differently about healthcare. Love it. Love the simplicity, but power of the message, Brenda. And, and as far as a place to get in touch, should they go to your website? Probably uh, reach me out on LinkedIn. I'm a little bit of a LinkedIn junkie. So if you direct message me, I'll direct you back. So Brenda Schmidt on LinkedIn, or feel free to email me, brenda.schmidt at solaranetwork.com. Outstanding, Brenda. This has been a privilege. And uh, really thank you for for the insights and, and the work that you're doing to make healthcare better. Appreciate you. Thanks so much, Saul. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 